So today we'll be looking at the prodigal son, uh, instructions from the parable of the prodigal son. I'll give you two or three, as time will allow, just certain instructions um, that we can draw from this. If you recall, uh, scripture says that if the things that Christ did or said were narrated in the books, the Bible says that we will not have sufficient space to record them. So uh, whatever has been recorded in the Bible, it simply means that the Holy Spirit weighed them and said, this one is sufficient for instruction. So everything that has been written here is, is heavy and weighty. And so uh, let's still go back to the parable of the prodigal son, which you will find in uh, Luke 15, 13, 11 to 31. Uh, in the interest of time, I'll just try to paraphrase it, uh, which I'm sure you know it. So Luke 15, 11 to 31. And so in this story is an account of a young man who, um, who came to his father. These were two sons. Uh, this father had two sons. So the younger one came to the father and told the father, Father, I am now of age. Count me what is due mine. Okay? And the father counted what was due for the son. Bible scholars say that the father gave him a third of his wealth. Although it's not recorded. The reason is to say that because in Deuteronomy, the Bible said that the firstborn son will get two-thirds of the property. And so this young man is moved by the devil to come to the father and request for his cut. Okay. Your Bible does not say that he was moved by the devil. But I know that he was moved by the devil. Okay. Because that behavior he had, he was a rude guy. And it was unnatural for him to come to the father when he was alive to request for a cut. Okay. And so I know that he was moved by the devil. There are things that people do in the world and you say, how could someone do that? The answer is very simple. He has been moved by the devil. The young man who left thick and went and hugged someone elderate, he was moved by the devil. David, at one day, woke up in the morning and the Bible said he was moved by the devil. And he called his chief of the general staff, Joel, and told him, Joel, I want you and the other armies and captains of the army to conduct a census from Dan to Beersheba. Count them. And remember, the Bible had, God had given instructions that they were not to number the Israelites, right? So the Bible says, the devil moved David to number the children of Israel. And for nine months, the guy did that. On the ninth month, the Holy Spirit of God convicted him. And he told Joel, stop it. You know the story. And God came and killed around 57,000 people because of that sin. So, the devil moved this guy, young man, came to the father and told the father, Father, I am of age. Okay? My dress, my choice. Give me what is mine. I'm sure it hurt the father. And the father counted to him. The reason why it hurt the father is because what the guy was telling the father, he was telling him, Dad, you are as good as dead to me. Hello? He was telling the father, I did not recognize that you are alive to me. You are a dead man to me. Because the Bible says this. 
that the testament is of no effect if the testator is still alive. In simple terms, it's saying you cannot enforce the will if the person is still alive. So this man was telling the father, Mimi and you, we have got no relationship. Ours is material. You are dead to me. Give me what is due I go. And the father went to NIC bank, sold the pieces of land, and gave the young man his due. Bible records he left and went to a distant land and spent the wealth on prodigal living. Hello? And afterwards, Bible says there was famine in that land. And the man became hungry and looked for a man of that land looking for a job. And the man gave him a job which was feeding swine. And the Bible says the guy was so hungry that he desired to eat of the pods that he was feeding to the swine. For those who are Bible scholars, you know that a swine, Hebrews don't mix with swine, with pig. It is, it is an abomination. They don't even keep them. It's an abomination. Okay? Uh, Muslims, if you want to know, let's come home. Jewish may be a bit Muslims. Muslims here in our country don't eat pork, right? They hate swine. One day I was, I was walking on, a, on the stairs in my house, uh, and I had a young, I had, I had someone sob so dearly from the groaning from, from the belly. And so I was walking the stairs, I met her. A young lady called Aisha. She used to come and clean my house. She had been hired by, she was, um, uh, you know, at this financial apartment. So they hired uh, some ladies to clean the houses. So the landlord had given her to, had, so two ladies will do, uh, do one wing. So she was cleaning for me. So I found Aisha crying on the stairs, deeply. So I asked Aisha, I tapped and said, Aisha, why are you crying? And she told me, your neighbor, house number 04, ate kitimoto. In Tanzania, kitimoto, it means pork. And he left some pieces in the sink. So when I went to clean the house, I touched the pork. So how do you console her? Me, I eat pork. <laughs> so do you tell her, let's go to the house, I finish the remains, or what do you tell her? <laughs> but I think you're getting the gist, the, 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 the gist of the story, right? So this man was so desperate that he went to take a job that they were not legally allowed to take. And he decided to eat with them. That's the lowest that sin can take someone. Okay. And the Bible says, I think in verse 17, it says, and when he came to himself, when he came to his sense, he said, I am going back to my father. And I'll ask him to make me one of his servants. Because my father's house, there is food. Remember that. Going down the story, Bible says, when he was, when he went home, while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him and ran towards him and embraced him and kissed him. And told the servants, bring a ring, a sign of, the, of princehood. This guy is now come back to the fold. He's now a prince. Bring a ring and a good robe and shoes and get a fatted calf for us to make merry. We have fun. 
For our son who was dead is now alive. Remember that story? I have not added any salt. His elder brother, I don't know where he was, when he came back and had music and commotion and fun, asked one of the servants, said, what's going on at home? He said, your brother who was lost is now back home. And your father has asked that we slaughter fatted calf. And you know the story. The elder brother went to his father and could not go in. He sat at the steps and told the father, Father, I have served you all these years faithfully. You have not even given me a young goat. But you, this son of yours who spent your wealth on harlots is back and you have given him a fatted calf. And the father in his mercy tapped the elder, shoulder, the elder son on the shoulder and told him, My son, come let's make merry. Your brother who was dead is now alive. Hallelujah. That's enough to go home. That story blesses my heart. I want to give you some four lessons we can draw from this. Some instructions that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to learn this day. Number one, when the young man told the father that I am leaving, give me my wealth, he was technically telling the father that I do not want your, I do not want your covering. I am no longer submitting to you. Hello? And he went and subjected himself to the systems of the world. So one lesson we learned, the first one, is that submission gives you advantage. For a believer, submission gives you advantage. Many of us think, when we hear submission, we only think about a wife to the husband. But brethren, submission is for every believer. God in his own wisdom knew that all of us will need covering. And provided us with the opportunity to be covered under submission. I can guarantee you, brethren, that in your life as a believer, at any one given time, you will always be under someone. It is for the sake of your soul. God knows that it's for the sake of your soul. Don't be rebellious like that, son. Always remain under submission. It's for your covering. As a believer, God will provide you a father. As a pastor, be submissive. In school, God will provide you teachers. At home, one of you will be submissive to the other. The other one will be provide covering. The day you sidestep from that covering, you are exposed to the systems of the world and they are ruthless. You begin eating with swine. And in the morning, I gave an example, uh, a story of a friend of mine who were traveling with a doctor, with his wife, both of them are medical doctors. And, and the wife was accusing, was accusing the husband of being, uh, being uh, economical with, with words, with communication. Okay. I think this, uh, this, um, um, uh, this accusation runs across uh, all families, uh, perhaps except mine. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I've been also been accused uh, that I am very limited in information. Okay? So the wife was accusing the husband in a good way. We were just chatting. I was the, I was the driver. And, 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 and from thicker. So the wife kept saying, you know, talk to your brother here. This man gives me information either very late or nothing at all or I come to learn several years later. 
says, talk to him uh, to be as elaborate as, as we are, as I'm always. And so the husband tried to explain to her why he doesn't give so much information or why he doesn't give at all. But the words, he wasn't getting enough words. And God gave me a revelation. Okay. So I told her, he was called Caro. Caro, the reason why your husband doesn't give you certain information is to protect you. Man, the husband almost hugged me. He said, <laughs> my brother, you have hacked it. Which is true. There are certain burdens or certain data that a husband has that you feel if you give your pride, both of you will be carrying luggage. So you rather deal with it than all of you dealing with the same luggage. And certain times, when you have the luggage, your wife will keep on reminding you about the luggage. So sometimes you want to deal with the luggage. Married men understand. For those who come from the village like me, for those who have ridden donkeys, if a donkey has got a fall, has got a smaller one, the mother donkey has got a fall, you don't put luggage on both. Big mistake. If you put on, if you put on board, the mother will, ref will refuse the luggage and will also go and remove the luggage from the smaller one. Okay? So if you want the donkey to move, you only give the mother. And like a small one to walk, jumping, jumping, jumping. So that is the analogy. So we don't give you a lot of data to protect you, my wife. <laughs> but brethren, the point is this, that submission is powerful. So let's learn submission. Hallelujah. It is powerful. The Bible says this in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, submit to those who rule over you, for they watch over your souls. In Romans, it even tells us about secular leaders. It says they are ministers of God for your sake. So Uhuru Kenyatta and his cabinet and other people, they are ministers of God for our sake. It is mind-boggling. It's mind boggling. If those guys remove their covering, we are sunk. We are sunk. Somalia here will just begin playing with us. Have you seen those in those countries where the presidents have been removed and the people have just joked in those countries? Have you seen that? Lack of covering. So submission is powerful. This young man did not learn that. He left. Point done. Point number two that I learned in this story is that poor resource management, poor resource management leads to misery. Poor resource management leads to misery. That if you cannot manage 10,000 shillings that you have now, you will not be able to manage 10,000 and 1 million. And the issue with money and resources is that resources knows people who mistreat, who mistreat it. If you mistreat money, money gives you a white path. You come this way, money goes this way. You call it like this, it waves at you, it behaves like it hasn't seen. Resources knows people who mistreat it. The problem is this. That I have worked with many Christians. And many of us have not learned this. This principle about resource management. So we learned from this young man that he was a poor resource manager. First of all, he was given resources that were not his. Point number one. The money he was given was not his. 
he inherited and he squandered it. Point number two, we learn that even with that, the guy was a poor negotiator. If you read that scripture very well, that portion, he was not even paid for feeding the, the, the pigs. How worse can that become? You are feeding the pig that is against your law and you are not even paid. Not even food. But why? Why was that man that foolish? Why was he a poor resource manager? Brethren, it's because of poor apprenticeship. Poor apprenticeship. He was not trained. How do I know that? Even his eldest brother had the same behavior. So you see the problem is in the family. The parents didn't train these guys how to manage resources. The elder brother comes and tells the father, you have never given me a goat. But when you learn much earlier, the father gave them both. He, he inherited both. When the young man came to ask for the wealth, the Bible says he gave them. But even then, if you have got beards like mine, and you live at home, and you are the manager, as he has said, why would you be begging your father for a goat? Hello? Are you seeing the problem that he had? You are the manager. You decide today we have got twins of goats and I need to have Mary. I come to tell the father, Father, today, don't park your car here. We are going to have a party. Yes. You are a son of a rich father. And you are the one who is managing the resources. And if you are a wise man, your father won't say no. Actually, he won't ask you. He will not ask you that. He will also come and join the party. He won't even count which one have you killed. So the problem is with, with, with apprenticeship. And brethren, as I said in the morning, it is something that is weakening our generation in the church. And we need to be strong as, a, as believers, as a church. I have seen this under the sun. That when you look at the way, particularly in this country, we are getting weaker and weaker in terms of family. How? In terms of how we manage and pass on resources. Let me give you a story, a quick one. My father left us with nine acres. Me and my elder brothers, with my, my younger brothers. We are about four, nine acres. And my father inherited the nine acres from his father, who is my grandfather, who had 30 acres. Hello? So my grandfather is becoming poorer by the day. Because he had 30. He left my father with nine. My father didn't add. He passed the nine to us. And my father was even better. Now my younger brother called Geoffrey. One day comes and tells me we need we call it in Kiswahili tunaitaji kushitaki kaburi. Uh, for those who know, we need to get a title deed. Subdivide the land and get a title deed in our names, respective names. So I began doing the process of subdivision of the land. Okay? And I said in my heart, I didn't tell my brother Geoffrey, I won't take a piece of this land. I'll give to my brothers who had not benefited to go in school as I did. So I had just in my heart, I won't take a piece of, I'll just give to my brothers, the three of them. And Geoffrey kept pushing me for, to expedite. So I became curious. Why is this guy pushing me? For the title deed. Okay. And since God has given me some wisdom, I went around and, you know, story and have some lunch and told him, you know what? 
I want you to give me money so that I can sell mine and do business. Ah, I knew. I knew. This man is going to squander this money. This guy is going to squander this money. So I told him, Geoffrey, you know what? You are a foolish man. I'm very honest with my brothers. You are a very foolish man. You never bought yours. Now you want to sell my father's so that you can go and buy yours. Go buy yours first. When you get to Acres, I'll come and sell this for you. I'll give you a title deed. I have not given them up to date. <laughs> but brethren, that's what we are doing. We are growing weaker and weaker. We are not teaching our children to make wealth and manage them well. We need to change. As I told the early church today in the morning, I have seen, it's on social media, you have seen the, the video, there is a, 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 a politician recently who went to Western Kenya and he was prayed for by, by about six bishops. He gave 50,000 Kenya shillings. And this man prayed a long, energetic prayer, more than the 50,000. <laughs> and after they finished, they handed him the mic and this man was lecturing the bishops for 50,000. I felt sad. I felt sad. No wonder we say that as Pentecostals, we are one kilometer wide in power, but one inch thick in knowledge and wealth. We need to change. A day should come when the politicians come in this church, they are just like one of us. They sit wherever we are seated and we shake hands at our brothers. They give 100,000 as part of us. We also give 200,000. And we can construct our own churches. The Muslims too. They never come to us to ask for money. We have got the resources. Just how management is a problem. So this young man learned a big lesson. He had not been trained very well. He should have stayed home longer. And the father should have been wiser enough to be taking the children for apprenticeship. And the Asians in this country have known this wisdom. You have seen what the Asians do in this country. Their children go to good schools, but during weekends and evening, they are laboring with their fathers on Krogon Road in the morning, selling spare parts, soiling their hands. They understand how to make money. So when those guys are given money, they know how to spend. For us, we take guys to boarding school in Lodwa. They come. We take them to university. They, when you give them wealth, when you die, they fight. Have you, you have seen these things. They kill each other. Even the rich families in this country, it's because they do not know how to make wealth. It's a disaster. Let's change this thing. Let's have our children soiling their hands, walking with us. If you're a teacher, walk with them to school when they're free. Let them learn how you make money. They'll appreciate it better when they grow up. Hallelujah. You to watch Ah, not before I say this. Not before I say this. Brethren, do you know what the Bible says about poverty? Uh, it's, it is beautiful. There are three things that make a man poor. It says if you have got these three things, you'll never be rich. Three things. It says this in Proverbs 21. It says, a man who loves oil. Number one. A man who loves pleasure. Raha. Okay, kukula. Life. And number three. What's the number three? Ah, Wine. A man who loves wine, who loves pleasure, and oil will not be rich. Hiya. When I learned these things, man, I began 
using oil sparingly. I'm serious. I began, well, wine I don't use. I just detested it. Brethren, what the Bible is saying is that do things in moderation. You see, that man is becoming poorer by the day. He's eating his children's children. By the time the children are in high school, he won't have anything to pay for them. He may look having good life. Of course, you know about wine. Let me not talk about wine. That is a sure way to poverty. Okay? Even Solomon was told, it's not for kings. Let me not go there. You have told that. But the, light, the last one is oil. How does oil lead to poverty? Okay? that's not what the Bible says I'll give you a story what it means Okay, I'll give you an example so recently I went to the village to see my stepmom and uh, she lives with my my two stepbrothers the one younger than me and uh, the uh, last born who is born 90, last born is born 90 just recently married and so I found my younger brother, last born, at home with a younger baby, age of my daughter. So I asked him, he's called Bonifaz, Bonifaz, what are you doing at home at midday? He told me my wife was going to Chama. Are you following about oil? Makes sense. So I'm looking after the baby. Then the next day I appear unannounced. God also gives me some wisdom, right? To appear unannounced. To come for, to see again mom. And then I find Bonifaz at home, midday. Say, Bonifaz, you told me yesterday that your wife has gone Hey, now she's at home. Why can't you help your brother Geoffrey in business? My brother is called Geoffrey, the younger one. Uh, the, uh, he's, he's a shrewd businessman. The guy knows how to make little wealth. Okay, works with his hands. And God bless the works for hands. The guy runs a, tri- a tricycle. Okay, goes to Uganda, buys cabbage. Because he buys, he's just a trader. Okay, comes selling in Kitale. And so I ask him, Boniface, why can't you be joining your elder brother to support him and you earn something? He told me, your elder brother involves me sporadically, okay? Sometimes today, somebody doesn't. I ask him, why? He told me, he seems to trust more villagers, neighbors, than he does to me. That story was not adding up. It was not adding up. No. So I went to my stepmom, mom. Why is it that Boniface doesn't help Geoffrey? My mom told me, well, you need to talk to your brother, but it seems he likes the neighbors more than... Ah, no, my mom has been bought. <laughs> so I looked for the big kahuna himself. Geoffrey, where are you? Let's have some lunch. Geoffrey comes, okay. Geoffrey, why can't you be using your brother to support you as you also support him as we supported you? Okay? He told me, no, my brother loves clean hands. Hapendi uchafu. That's the one he said. Men, I got an answer. <laughs> that is straight revelation. This man loves oil. Boniface loves oil. Good life. Clean tie. Choosing the job. I cannot wash a car. Okay? This is not work for ladies like us. Okay? My sister, you will steal. You will become poor. You will become poor. Be wise. The Bible says that there is profit in every labor. There is profit in every labor. And whatever, whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all diligence. For in the grave you are going, there is no work or wisdom. I learned that. My first job was for free. I worked for free. 
And I did so diligently. When they saw it, man, they called me for the next time. For free. And I had a master's degree. Oh, you don't have even a diploma. And <laughs> so my brother, what I'm saying is, let's hate oil. I can't rub it more than that. Point number three. Point number three from prodigal son. The Bible says in verse seven that he came to himself. NIV says he came to his senses. In other words, this man built his uh, holy discontent to the level that he couldn't bear it anymore. And I told the church in the morning that as believers, let's not quench that voice. The voice of holy discontentment. Don't quench that voice. Many of us in this country, we detest corruption. But, let me shock you. This is my statistics. I think the Holy Spirit gave me in the morning. 98% of Kenyans hate corruption, not because they think it's bad, because they have not been invited on the dinner table. Others are eating while they are not eating. The day they step there, all of a sudden they begin using scripture. The wealth of the unrighteous is laid aside. <laughs> or, all of a sudden they don't come to church. Or they come to church and begin teaching us how we should shorten our service. And you get what I'm talking about. But 2% of us inside here believers, we hate that thing because we know it is bad. And don't kill that voice. When people drive badly on the road and skip traffic lights, don't quench that voice inside your stomach. One day, the devil will go on a journey and they will say, we want to appoint a CS. And they will come and say, there is a son of Mulongo. He can do this job. My friend, this word will wake up. You've not seen Matiangi times two. This foolishness you see. So this man <coughs> decided that I had had enough. I am drawing a line. Between here, me, and suffering, we are done. There's a woman I was ministering to recently in the village. She was having problems with her, her marriage. And she's under demonic attack. And before I prayed to her, she wanted me to pray for her. The Holy Spirit gave me a word and told me, tell her. She needs to draw a line. I told her, my sister, you need to say bye-bye to the devil. Brethren, you reach a time in your life and you say, I have had enough. These shenanigans, I am done. This sickness, I am done. These problems in marriage, I am done. This brokenness, I am done. We are children of God. I have done that many times in life. Holy discontent. I gave a story in the morning. One day, I'm a young guy, about 16 years old, and my father walks home without expecting me. And he's carrying a little pot on his shoulders. I think he didn't know that there was anyone home. And this little pot had a little um, uh, grass, some grass uh, tied around the neck of the pot. And, that's, and, and I caught his eyes. I caught his face. He was, like a, he was looking like a disturbed man. And my father took that pot and put it in the kitchen. Our grass in a corner. And so I was so curious to know why my father was carrying a pot. A mature man carrying a little pot. 
But for those who grew up like me, you had to wait for the right climate, okay? Temperature. So one day I got the climate in the coast of the world. I said, Dad, that pot you brought, what was it for? And I was straight to his eyes. He looked at him and realized that I was not joking. I wanted the answer. So my father told me, my son, I didn't want to tell you, but since you have asked, I'll tell you. He told him, you know what? How many graves do you see in this compound? I told him, I see seven graves. He told me, they all belong to my children. Hello? He says, I have buried seven children. And today, you, Godfrey, you are the eldest. People of my age are now holding grandchildren. I also want to hold grandchildren. Wow. But still, the story for the poor is not adding up. So he said, in desperation of the status, I went to get help. And I went to Amganga. And the Mganga told me we need to do some medical intervention to ensure that my children go beyond the age of 18. Because the Mganga told him that none of your children will ever live beyond 18 years. And actually, my elder sister, the one I follow, had just died two days after her 18th birthday. So it made a lot of sense. None of my brothers and sisters had never gone beyond 18 years. So for about two years, I lived with a noose around my neck, knowing that my days are numbered. And then one day, I woke up. Something in my stomach told me, you have got big plans. You have got life. And I said, I will not die, but I will live to declare the oracles of God. And none of my family members to death have ever died. They're all alive. My sisters have got children. My, my father's got a grandchild now. Isn't God good? We drew a line. He said, enough of graves is enough. Brethren, we need to draw a line. Holy discontent. Don't quench it. Number three. Four. Okay. Seems like I preached for three hours. Okay. Now, number four. The eldest son had Lazarus syndrome. Let me allow to skip to the eldest son before we come to the father. The eldest son had what we call the Lazarus syndrome. You know what Lazarus syndrome is, right? Lazarus syndrome is a man who is full of the Holy Spirit, born again, but poor. He's a man of God, serving a rich God, but poor. The elder son was like that. He was living with a rich father, as I mentioned, but he couldn't slaughter God. He was living like a pauper. He didn't know that his father had everything. Brethren, you reach a stage in life, mature enough, as I said, where you don't have to beg. You take and slaughter for your friends. This revelation, I think, needs to dwell in our hearts. The Bible says that by his divine virtue, the Lord has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him. Our father is wealthy. Our father is wealthy. And we need to live like children of the king. It is important. It is important. For me, it is important. I need to know how to get things from my father and use them. I don't want to be like Lazarus, going to heaven, but full of sores. 
as I said one day here, I'm sure Lazarus arrived in heaven and people were shocked when he arrived. He came with the dust. Say, man, you have arrived, but where have you been? With lice and bed bugs. Say, my brother, welcome. They shake his hand, not even, not even hugging him. Welcome. He's, he suffered a lot. Now, this man had that Lazarus syndrome. Another thing that we learned from this man, the elder one, he's, no, let me ask you a question. Why did the elder son just hear about the arrival of his brother from the servants? Doesn't it sound funny? Doesn't it sound funny? Really, if to date your brother arrived, the first person that should be notified by the father is go call my elder son. His brother has if today something happened in my home, the first person to hear about is my wife. If my neighbors hear about it, or a worker, and my wife hasn't had it, something is wrong in that marriage. Now, this guy is hearing from the brothers that, hey, actually he didn't hear at the he had when the party was ongoing. There was music. Say, so what is that commotion? So we have already started the thing. There's a problem with this man. And you learn that one you will see the status of his heart. The guy tells the father, you are son, not my, the brother, the father corrects him, you are brother. The guy had a, had, had bad, had, I don't know how to put it, he didn't have a good heart. Okay? And the father could not even trust him, that he was that old enough, but still, the father had to instruct him and remind him that he was a wealthy man. So two things, status of the heart and Lazarus syndrome. The last one. Five, that when you make one step towards God, he will make a hundred towards you. When this man came to his senses and said, I am going to my father, the Bible decrees that his father saw him a far distance and ran towards him. In short, it appears to me that the father had been camping somewhere, strategic enough, looking at the gate every day, deciding, Lord, before I die, bring me back my son. He didn't count the cost and the behavior of the son. When the son was coming, philosophizing about his behavior, the father didn't even respond, if you, if you see the story. He didn't even respond. Because the father had already provided atonement for his sin. For him, being alive was good enough. Remember, he had lost two-thirds of his property. So his heart was grieving for the son to return. And when the son made the step to come, the Bible says, the father ran. Hallelujah. The father ran towards the sinner. That blesses my heart. It's the heart of a father. That regardless of what you have done, his love endures forever. He waits for us to make a step and say, Lord, I want to come back to you. There's a young man this day, this morning, who gave his life to Christ, and he told me something very powerful. I don't know where they get this kind of lingo. So, uh, as we were chatting, before I pray, he told me, my brother, I just feel like I, I was a believer before, but I, I need a new, he told me, I need a new update, or software, a software update. I thought that is powerful. 
guy needs he wants to come to the father for more updating i recall one day pastor here led a certain young lady to christ around a couple of months ago really she stood there if you recall i was standing here and when the pastor when she walked here the parents joined her the parents were sitting somewhere there and the parents cried and me also being a lawyer i cried I'm telling you and the church was quiet. You know, we don't know why the parents were crying, but I tend to think the heart of the father and the mother. They saw their child who was dead is now alive. They rejoiced for her to come to Christ. That's what happens. That's what happened to that father. He forgot the loss. He forgot the dirt of the son and said this guy was dead has come back. Let's receive him. Let's make merry. Let's forget about the one who is at home. The 99 car, the 99 uh, ship. Let's rejoice for this one that has come back home. And that is powerful. As you go to Easter, that's powerful. Sin my brother is heavy. People ask me one day, someone asked me why I gave my life to Christ, and I told him without missing words, it was the burden of sin. Sin is heavy. You rather sleep hungry but be sure have hope that Christ has cleansed your sin sin is heavy it's a big burden don't carry it come to the father make one step and your life would be good as i conclude in the morning today my tax guy ministered to me and he said something very powerful he said you know when you get born again when you are young God delivers you from many problems in life. So he says it's good to get born again when you are young. And he gave me an analogy. Where do these guys get this wisdom? He told me, try to imagine this. That that you are you are a street child, a chokora. Okay? And for all your years you stay on the streets of Nairobi begging food living in dump sites being kicked by people enduring call of 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 july then one day when you are 60 years old you discover that actually your father is in state house are you seeing the analogy the guy gave me well you will come to state house you will be happy but my brother 60 years is not easy to recover so when god calls you when you are young you are young my son my brother he has saved you from cold from hardship the sun will not strike you by the day nor the moon by night you are secure in Christ Jesus hallelujah father we thank you for your instruction we thank you that lord you love us that much that you send your son as we celebrate him this month that he died for us you provided atonement for our sin even before we came and we receive that gift of righteousness and today my father we ask you to renew our faith to renew our life we thank you that you have got that large love for us largeness of heart we can't thank you enough everlasting master just receive thanksgiving lord let's just thank him church let's just, father we thank you we praise you holy one of god receive our thanksgiving we thank you for our little ones oh god that they are all secure in you we thank you for the wisdom for investment wisdom 
for our children. Father, we thank you that you are so marvelous and good to us. We just worship you, everlasting master. Receive our thanksgiving. We just love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for your teaching this day. Remind us of these good things. Let's grow, my Father, in the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. Teach us, my Father, to appropriate what you have given for us freely as a Father. We just love you, O Lord. In that mood of prayer, um, uh, if you are not born again, we want to invite you to have fellowship with us. Uh, as we all, our eyes are bowed down, our heads are closed, we... Anyone who is carrying luggage that you don't need to carry as a believer, just shoot it up and put it down and we'll pray for you. Anyone like that, you are born again and you are carrying luggage that you shouldn't be carrying. You know your luggage. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thanks so much for those hands. Another hand, just shoot up and put it down. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for those many hands. Father, we thank you for that obedience as a sign of faith. Thank you for my sisters and brothers who have raised their hands. Father, we thank you that you have provided victory in Christ Jesus. And this day, Father, we confess this victory. That there's victory in the blood of Jesus. There's victory in the Lamb of God. And this brethren, my Father, are set free in Jesus' name. You devil, we have got no power over them. We draw a line this day. We say you have come to the dead end. You can't pass here. And we release them to Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Shall we appreciate Christ? Hallelujah. My message uh, this afternoon is the just shall live by faith. So if you have your Bible or if we can get that to scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. So I want everyone in the church to read this scripture with me uh, together. So let's read. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I want you to think about what the Lord is saying. That without faith, it is impossible. Hakuna njia. There is no way. You know, sometimes people think because I have lived in America for a very long time that I forgot how to speak Swahili and I forgot how to speak my mother tongue. Uh, no, we still practice. Believe me, there are some churches in America who preach in Kikuyu. It's like when people go to America, they try to be more Kenyan than they were when they were in Kenya. <laughs> Just to prove to Americans that they are really Kenyans. It's wonderful to be proud to be a Kenyan, but sometimes they take it very far. So, it says, it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is what? He is. Now, he is, is a present tense. It did not say that he used to be. It didn't say that he was. He's not even talking about the future. He's not saying that he will be. He's saying, when is he God? Now. In other words, he is God of now. He's not just God of the past. Because you see the, the troubles we face, the trials we face, they are not just trials of yesterday. Because what lies in front of you is much more important for you to overcome than what lies behind you. 
Because you see, the things that are behind you, you already overcame them. Unless they followed you. And even if they followed you, God is saying that he has the power and the anointing because he's God of now to deal with your circumstances now. So he is today. Okay? And so, that, so he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. God has called us not to walk by sight, but to live by faith. Now, I want to share a few points uh, from this passage. The justice shall live by faith. Uh, about faith. One, faith must be based on the knowledge of God. Not on our assumptions. Okay? Faith must be based on God's word and knowledge of God. Not just our assumptions. In other words, knowing God means that we, we have a relationship with him. Faith works because an individual believer has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what faith means. Number two, that's number one. Number two, what makes the faith of God work is that faith must grow in your life. That is why the Bible tells us to keep on hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. Because the more we hear, and the more we are taught the word of God, the more faith increases in us. So, faith increases. Faith grows. That's why Jesus looked at his disciples at one time and told them, O ye of little faith. It means you can have a little faith, you can have medium faith, and you can have great faith. Which one would you like to have? A little faith, a medium faith, or great faith? Great faith, that's what makes great things happen. So you must today allow the faith of God to increase and to grow in you. Number three, faith must be based on God's promises, not on the promises of a man. Faith must be grounded in and based on God's promises, which means it's his word. Know the nature of his promises. And number four, point number four, I want to share with you this morning, is that faith must be expressed through action. Okay? This is acting on what you believe and obeying what you believe God says about you. Now, when the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight, it means that we must trust God even when we do not know the outcome. Faith means trusting that God will take care of you and your family and your finances and every situation in your life, although you do not know exactly how it will turn out. You, you see, the one thing we know is that God is always in control. 
even if you and I are not in control, God says he's always in control. So we must trust in God even when we do not know how it will all come out. Our hope is in God's strength and in his faithfulness. In that hope, we find the strength to endure. That is why in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number that one, the Bible says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You understand? When you pray by faith, and you are praying for a situation, for circumstance, and you are believing God for a miracle, you must have endurance. That is, in other words, you must have faith that endures. You cannot give up before your answer comes. You have to hang in there until you receive the answer. You know, I, I tell people in my meetings uh, in U.S. because uh, in U.S. Uh, people like to, to leave church uh, before it's over, to, to, leave, to leave the church early because uh, people work very hard and they have two jobs, and they have three jobs. We call them doubles. Everybody say, hey, I, I, I can't stay in church the whole day. You know, I have a double. Uh, when a Kenyan in America tells you I have a double, it means that they have two jobs that day. First of all, it's a blessing to be able to get two jobs. But on the other hand, if you keep on leaving the church early because you come in the church to be blessed, to be renewed, and to receive, and I, and I tell them, you know, when we start worshiping God in the presence, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he sends his angels to come and bring answers to us. And I tell them, you know, if you, if you walk out too early, your angel may come and found your seat empty. And God sent him to bring an answer to you and to your prayers, and you can miss your answer because you left it too early. In the same way, don't give up too early for what you are praying for. Faith means enduring, hanging in there, holding on by faith, holding on to that vision. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 14. The Bible says, for those who say these things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, but, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And, and, and the word using there that for those who say these things, what things? Those who say the things that God has said. In other words, we must declare, we must confess, we must speak the language of the kingdom of God. We must speak the language of heaven. The, the word used here is the word homologios from Greek. It means that you are saying the same things that God is saying. That you as a believer, you should not be repeating what the world is saying about your situation. You should not be repeating what your friends are saying about your situation. What should you repeat? What God is saying about your situation. That is homologia. That you, must, that you must confess and say the same things that God says. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. It means that he that, he, that I have believed, and I'm totally persuaded, faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Holy Spirit, it means I am convicted, 
that I am convinced and I am persuaded. That I've been, I am convicted, I am convinced, and I am persuaded that it will work for me. Hallelujah. Now, don't tell me that faith did not work for you because I just know that it will work for me because my faith is based on what God says in his word. Amen? So, don't go with the faith of others. Have your own faith. Because the faith of others will only take you so far. But sometimes you have to believe God for yourself. The prayers of others will only take you so far. Sometimes you've got to pray for yourself. Sometimes you have to intercede for your family. Don't wait for the others to intercede for you. You've got to pray for yourself. Hallelujah. God is shifting some things in your life today. If you let him, he will shake you and change you. And as you continue trusting in him, he, he can change your position so that he can shift you to, a, to be in a place where you can be able to, receive, to walk at the right door, meet the right person at the right time so that you can be connected with your destiny that will change your life. You see, God guides us. When we have faith in him and when we pray and we have a relationship with him, he takes us to the right people, the right doors, at the right place. Because you are a child of God. And he's thinking about you all the time. And did you know the Bible says that even the very hair on your head are numbered? Uh, sorry for those of you who do not have hair uh, on your head. <laughs> but even for those of you who Brothers who do not have hair on your head, uh, God knows how many hairs you used to have. Amen? <laughs> so, my friends, people may say that you are finished. You know, when you go through struggles, when you had had, look, everybody faces trials. Every believer faces a hard time. Seasons in life change. In America, we say it is not always winter. Winter is very cold. We have snow. We don't even like to go out because you have to put on several layers of clothing. But all seasons are not winter. Spring will come. And when we are in winter, we are always saying, man, when will spring come? I want to get out of winter. And I'm telling you in your life, the faith of God says that it's not always going to be winter in your life. Spring is coming. The sun Amen? The sun is going to rise anew in your life. The Bible says that his masses are new every morning. So every morning you wake up, pray, oh Lord, give me new masses to face this day. Seasons changes. You do not always remain in the same season. That's why you have to have strong and big faith in God. That even if you are in winter, you know spring is coming. Summer is coming. Fall is coming. It is not always the same season. So when people think you are finished, I want you to know God says your finest hour is coming. Amen? It is still ahead. Your past may have been difficult, but I want you to know today, this moment, you can change your future. Your future can be better than your past. Your future can be better than your present because you are serving a living and mighty and miracle-working God. Hallelujah. That's what it means when the Bible says the just shall live by faith. 
the just shall live by faith. In the thick of battles and trials of life, your ministry may have disappeared. Your passion for living may have disappeared. You might have, you might have become discouraged. But I'm here to encourage you today as a servant of God, as a prophet of God, that get ready. Trust in him today. He's getting ready to release a special anointing in your life if you will allow him so that your vision it will reappear again. That your passion for life will appear again. Oh yeah, he will, he will even give you a new vision for what you're supposed to do. You know, God gives directions. When we pray by faith, you will hear him speaking to you. Showing you what to do, where to go next, giving you direction. If you will obey him and walk by faith, you are not going to fail. You will succeed in what you do. Hallelujah. So I tell you, it is time to start living again vigorously with gusto, with audacity, and with authority. Because the Bible says that in the last days... Hallelujah. Bad times will come, but God will remain the same. Because you see, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it doesn't matter what I meet, what I hit in life, he is always going to be the same. Hallelujah. Now, faith is based on the knowledge of the word of God. As I said earlier, walking by faith should not be based on your assumptions. Because God is not responsible for answering your assumptions, what you assume. A lot of believers assume things and they, and they believe on the basis of what they assume that God will move on their behalf. God only is responsible for what he has promised in his word. So, when you pray, it's okay to quote God's word and his promises to him. Say, my father in heaven, you promised this in the book of Psalms. You promised this in the book of Isaiah. I am standing here now believing you, declaring that it is coming to pass in my life because you promised it. Hallelujah. I'm releasing my faith. I am walking in it. And you see, even the devil can hear. And the devil hears when you declare what God has said. Because the word of God is the same. And, and the word of God is not hindered by the, by the vessel through which it is conveyed. I may have weaknesses as a preacher. Okay? But the word of God is not weak. Because me as the vehicle for speaking it, I'm weak. The word of God is still powerful and quicker and sharper than two-edged sword. No matter who is speaking it. So when you speak the word of God to yourself, even if you have weaknesses, it doesn't matter. Because your weaknesses do not change the word of God. Your disbelief or your doubt does not change the word of God. The word of God and the promises of God are what they are because they came directly from heaven. Amen? So, you need, so our faith must be based on the knowledge of God and his promises. According to the ancient Hebrews, knowing Yahweh meant having an intimate relationship with him. In the Old Testament, if you said that I know God, it, it did not mean that you have 
an intellectual understanding of him. You have heard about him. And you intellectually can describe who he is to somebody. When the Hebrew people said, I know Yahweh, what they really meant is that I really know him in that I have a relationship with him. He's my father, I'm his daughter, I'm his son. So for faith to work in you, you have to have that kind of intimate relationship with God. So to have faith in God is to know him. Knowing Yahweh means engaging every day in a relationship of holiness and righteousness with him. You cannot say that you know God and you do not obey his word. Knowing God for Hebrews meant obeying him. Now, God is almighty and God is powerful. When we know him and his power, it changes who we are and what we believe. Now, let me just share with you, just to, to remind us, the attributes of God, who, who he is. The Bible tells us that God has several divine attributes. So when we are believing him in walking by faith, this is what we, we need to remember. That God is omnipotent. That's one of, in other words, what it distinguish, distinguishes you from a divine person is that you do not have divine attributes. But a divine person has divine attributes. And one of the most fundamental divine attributes of God is that he is omnipotent. What does that mean? That he is all-powerful. This is why Jesus said in giving his disciples the great commission, the first thing he said before sending them, he said that all power in heaven or earth is given to me because he, Jesus Christ is God. Then he told them, go in therefore because all power is given to me. So God is all powerful. And all powerful means there is nothing on earth that has greater power than your God. He is omniscient. It means he is the source of all knowledge. Past knowledge, present knowledge, and the future knowledge. Everything you would ever want to know, by faith you go to God, he can release that knowledge on you. That is why I shared with you before that when, when I started my undergraduate degree and I struggled, I remembered he's omniscient. The Holy Spirit is God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And he can just release some of that intelligence, some of that knowledge on me. And can you imagine how it will transform your life? God can give you just one idea of the billions of ideas he has. And that idea will change your future and your destiny. God is eternal. He is eternally self-existent, no beginning, no ending. The Bible says he's Alpha and Omega. He is the creator. Our God created all that is and will ever be. To have faith in him, to walk in faith in him, it is to perceive with the mind, to understand with the heart, to know for a fact that he made the world, he created you for a purpose as he created the universe for his purpose. He made it all out of nothing. He spoke the word and it was. He said, let there be oceans and there were oceans. He can speak a word in your situation and everything will change. Every mountain will move. Hallelujah. Now, when I, when I was a student, 
uh, when I teach, I always like to give testimonies. Walking by faith. Uh, at the time I was going, I, I was going to school, uh, I had gone to United States on a student visa. It's called an F1 visa. And with F1 visa, they, on your passport, they stamp not valid for employment. So, <laughs> which is really bad. So they allowed me to go to the university, but they don't want me to get a job and work to support myself. So how am I supposed to pay for my fees and everything? And uh, so I, I decided I'm, I'm going to trust the Lord to provide. I'm going to walk by faith. And even so, so they've decided not to allow me to work for now, but I know God has divine provision for me. So, so I'll never forget, uh, I, I was given by somebody a, a very old car because in America, you can't even go to buy groceries unless you have an automobile. Because in many cities, like in, in, in Knoxville or Lex, Lexington, Kentucky, where we are living, they don't have matatos. Okay. By the way, matatos are very convenient in that you can just go anywhere. So they don't have public transportation. They may, if you live in like big city, they have subways. But the subways will not take you to a particular store where you want to go. So everybody drives. You have to have a car. And so I did not have a car. And so I prayed. Uh, so someone had given me a very old car. And during summer, that car did not have air conditioning. It gets extremely hot uh, in many states during summer. So I was invited, invited, my wife and I were invited to go and preach in a conference uh, in Kentucky. And so I drove in this old car. It was making so much noise because the exhaust pipe was totally finished. In fact, it was so bad that every morning when I, I, I woke up, uh, to go to classes, to, to start the car, it was like, like a bullet because the exhaust pipe was really bad. You know, and in fact, some of my neighbors, the little kids, they, they would come and say, hey, Joe, can, can you start, please don't start your car tomorrow at 7. <laughs> because I want to sleep in. <laughs> can you please start it later? <laughs> That's how bad it was. And so, we, we are driving to go to this conference. I'm going to preach there. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm in America, the, the, the land of opportunity. The, uh, the land that flow, flows with the milk and honey. I said, Lord, where is this milk? Where is this honey? Because this car I'm driving is, can, can die on me any time. So, I prayed. I said, this week, Father, I pray that you give me a you give me a new car. And I, I really believed with all my heart that my new car will come. I didn't know where because my bank account as a student was almost empty. So I could not count on my bank account. So I prayed and I told my wife, um, believe with me because the Bible says where two or three shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, brother, Pastor Stephen, it shall be done for them. And let me tell you, there is nothing more powerful than a couple being in agreement. Couples fight. If a couple is in disagreement, God will not hear your prayers. But if husband and wife agree and pray together and release their faith, 
There is almost nothing you cannot do as a couple. You will see the hand of God open doors for you that are incredible. So my wife was willing to agree with me. Of course, she was so uncomfortable because it was extremely hot. So she was willing to agree if it meant we're going to get a car with the air conditioning. I, say, I told her, I said, yeah, Reverend Wamboy, release your faith. I'm believing God. Either this week or next week, somehow, God to give us a miracle of a new car. So, so we went to Kentucky and we attended the, this conference. The first evening, uh, I was not the preacher. Uh, and the guest speaker was a famous evangelist in the U.S. Uh, and uh, he was preaching. And I, and, of, and I think he knew from the flyer that I was a preacher from Kenya. So, as he was preaching, he started ministering to people. Just, just you know, in the middle of his preaching. And then in the, in the middle, he just stopped. And he said, the Lord has just stopped me because he wants me to do something uh, for this man of God from Africa. See, and this is a conference with uh, like 2,000 people. And of the 2,000 people, he pointed at me. And I said, thank you, God, you have remembered me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, 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 and he just stopped there. And, and he started saying, he says, he says brother, I, I, I don't know your need. But the Holy Spirit just told me right now not to preach anymore but to take a special love offering for you. I jumped out and I said, Whoa, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I started saying, this truly is a man of God. This man hears from God. This man is a true prophet. Watch out when Guinea. Hey, look, there, there, there are all kinds of prophets. But the prophet who can read you like a book, who knows your needs, you know he heard from God. And this prophet who stops preaching in the middle of the meeting, he does not want to take a love offering for himself. But for this man of God from Kenya. Ah, I, I mean, I started rejoicing. You know, I, I was so excited, I jumped up. And I'm saying, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He said, brother, I have not taken the love offering yet. He said, sit down first so that at least you can see how much it is. Then you can start jumping up and down praising the Lord. So, so, he, so he did. He took a love offering. And after the love offering, he gave it to me. I'm, I'm telling you. And, and he just had it in baskets. And there were two baskets full of money. And he brought one basket to me and the other one to my wife. When I looked at it, I asked him, can I jump now? Okay, now you can praise the Lord. So I started jumping and everybody started jumping, praising the Lord with me. I'm here to tell you, by the time I went home, I had enough money to get a brand new car. Amen. With the air conditioning. Amen. This is what faith is. It is believing what the word of God says. And walking in it. Because you don't know how, where your answer will come from. I did not plan on this. I had never met this man in my life. But you see, I talked to God. And God spoke to him. And God used him as a vehicle to meet my need. That's how miracles come. Because right now there is somebody God can talk to who has your miracle. And that's why you need to be careful who you meet. Do not dismiss people. Because God may have somebody there 
with your miracle and when you meet them, you dismiss them. Or God, or you may be the miracle that God may send you to be a miracle to somebody. Hallelujah. So that is what faith is. You see, we need action. The Bible says, faith is not something you think about and you leave it there. Faith is something you act on. You trust God. You confess it. And then you walk in it. Uh, I had a story about a fisherman in the state of Minnesota. You see, this fisherman was a very skilled uh, fisherman. He was very well prepared. He knew how to fish. He had everything you need to be a good fisherman. He had fishing poles. He had nets. He had bait to catch fish. And even he had a very nice boat that he can take on the lake to be able to fish. But this, this fisherman had a problem. He, would be, he was telling everyone, I am going to catch a lot of fish. But you see, for all his preparation, he never caught anything. Not a single fish. Not a one. Not ever. And do you know why he never caught a fish? Do you want me to tell you why he, he never caught a fish? It's okay. You see, I, I'm a professor. <laughs> and uh, when, uh, when I'm lecturing, I, I always, I, I use, uh, there is a technique for lecturing known as Socratic dialogue. Uh, that's when you ask your audience a question. And those of you, if you're professors here, you know what I'm talking about, Socratic method. You, you ask them and they respond. It's a very good method of learning. So I ask you, do you want to know why he never caught a fish? Okay, yeah, it's okay to respond. <laughs> so, the reason he never caught a fish, here's the answer. He never went fishing. <laughs> he had a boat. He prepared. He read books. A lot of books about fishing. He knew how you're supposed to hook the hook. But you see, he never caught a single fish because he never went fishing. So it's the same thing. This is how faith works. If you read all about faith and you know all about faith and you can tell somebody this is how faith is supposed to work, if you never go fishing, you are never going to catch a fish. So you have, Pastor Stephen, to put your faith in action. You got to activate your faith. That's how faith works. Are you with me? Are you receiving this? You got to put your faith in action. Don't be like this Minnesota fisherman. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Faith must be based on God's promises. Know the promises of God. Know the nature of his promises. God is not committed to perform what people say. God is committed to perform what he says in his word and what he has promised. Faith should not be based on fanciful or wishful thinking. If you keep on wishing that you have something, it will not make it come to pass. Your faith must be based on solid word of God, his promises, not wishful thinking or assumptions. God is not responsible for your wishes. He is responsible for his promise. 
for his word. The nature of God's promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible says, For all the promises of God in him are here, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. In 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 56, the Bible says, There hath not failed one word of all, of all his good promises. Now, we need to remember that you do not walk by feeling. You walk by faith. So, what if you don't have a feeling? You know, they, they sing a song, I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. What if you don't have a feeling that everything is going to be all right? Have you ever heard that, such a song? That I got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Where the Bible says, no, we don't walk by a feeling that everything is going to be all right. What if you don't have a feeling? What if you have a feeling things are going to go really bad? No, the Bible says we don't walk by a feeling. We walk by faith in the promises of God. So don't, just, don't go with a feeling. Go with a promise. Because faith is never feeling and feeling is never faith. In other words, God has not asked us to pray and exercise our faith to receive something if he is not going to confirm his word to do what he promised. Here is the way it works. One, God gives us a promise in his word. Number two, that promise creates faith in us because we believe what God says and that he will do it for us. Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God, his promise. Number three, this faith produces action, faith action. And number four, that action activates God's power and the miraculous to fulfill the promise. So I'll say that again. Number one, God gives us a promise in his word. Number two, that promise creates faith in us as we keep on hearing it more and more and more. Number three, that faith increasing in us produces action. Number four, that action activates God's power from heaven, his miraculous ability to fulfill his promises in us. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we stand up all over the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Let, let's, let's all stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise. Hallelujah. Tell you, I'm a, I am excited and encouraged uh, this morning because God is good. And, 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 uh, and every situation we are facing, he's willing, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's a loving God. He's willing to intervene on your behalf. But the Bible says he's the way maker. He's the deliverer. He's the healer. He's the provider. He's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Our God is able. He's a miracle God, my sister, my brother. Hallelujah. I may not know your situation. I may not know how your ear has been. I may not know the trials that you have faced. But I'm here to tell you I know somebody who can meet your need. His name is Jesus Christ the son of the living God.
And that is why I'm preaching and teaching today on faith because I'm here to ignite a fire of God in your spirit. I'm here to ignite your faith. I'm here to ignite your hope. I'm here to ignite your trust in God Almighty. I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you and he's still working that plan. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody this morning, this afternoon, don't throw in the towel just yet. God is not finished. Though it may appear that all hope is gone, that everyone else is finishing the race before you. Tell them, don't count me out yet. Hallelujah. Because God is not finished with me yet. Hallelujah. Today, there are many who want to quit because of many, many situations and mountains and trials that they are facing. However, God has a blessing for you, just for you, if you don't quit, if you wait on him by faith. Hallelujah. A hopeless situation does not mean that God has left you. It just means that he's working behind the scenes. And God can see your faith. God can hear your prayers. And he answers prayers. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Can you raise up your hands before the Lord? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I want to thank you because of your word and your promises. Your promises are sure and true. And Lord, you know what everyone in this congregation is facing today. And I want to lift them up. Those that need a financial miracle. Those that need healing. Father, touch them today in the name of Jesus. Let the power of the Holy Spirit move. Hallelujah. Let healing come. Let deliverance come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Raise their faith today. Let their faith increase today in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may put your hands down. You know, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, Jesus answering them said, Have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you, that, wh that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. And, 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 and I want you to think right now what it is you are believing God for in your family, in the area of our finances, your businesses, whether it's educational opportunities. I, I want to pray a prayer of faith based on the word of God. The promises of God says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22 Verse 24, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. That whatsoever shall speak to this mountain, it shall move. So I want you to, believe, to have faith in God today. First of all, trust the Lord to increase your faith. So that your faith becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger so that you, you can be able to pull down by faith God's anointing and his miracle power. And I want to pray with you. If you are here today. You are, you are believing God to open some doors for you. 
you are believing God for a financial miracle. Uh, if you are here today and you are believing God for healing, you are believing God for deliverance, uh, whatever you are believing God for, I want you to raise up your hand and I want to... Just release God's anointing on you. I, I, I want to I, I release my faith as you release your faith. And let's just believe for the Holy Spirit to move in this sanctuary and touch you and meet you at the point of your need. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He has the power. He's a wonder-working God. He's a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. And you and I can speak to that mountain. And that mountain will obey you. It will move because you have the faith of God. Only believe, Jesus will tell people, only believe today. Only believe. Have the faith of God. Keep those hands up. Let's believe God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every person that I have raised up their hands. You know what they need in their lives. There are those who, Lord, that need a renewal in their spirits. There are those who need to have better relationship with you. There are those, oh Lord, that need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that are Facing a situation where they need a financial miracle. There are those that need healing, both in their minds, in their bodies, or in their souls. But Jesus, you are a healer. You are a miracle worker. Your presence is in this sanctuary. So, Father, I lift up every person. I pray that, Lord, you release the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let your power move across this sanctuary. Let their miracle come now. In the name of Jesus. Come on now. Whatever you are believing God. Oh, come on now. Start just tell him. Tell him. Take a few minutes and just tell him what it is. And right now, start taking it by faith. Reach out to him. Let it come. Reach out to I told you you have to activate your faith. You just have to claim it. Come on. Talk to him for a minute. Just tell him what it is. Just you and you alone. God can hear you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is listening. Hallelujah. His angels are waiting to receive a divine assignment. To come and work on your behalf. To come and bring you a miracle in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just take it. Take it. Take it. Hallelujah. Receive it. Take it in Jesus' name. Reach out to, the, to him and take it. Take it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for moving. Hallelujah. With your mighty spirit. Thank you, Father, for your miracle power in our behalf. Father, we are receiving an answer now from heaven. And we know you are giving your angels assignment on our behalf. That in this coming week and months, we're going to see divine manifestation. Hallelujah. In our lives. Because we are walking by faith. We will walk by faith until we receive the reward. We will walk by faith until we receive the reward. In the name of Jesus. If you believe God with me that you've received it, give him a hand of praise. Come on now, say hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. He's done it. And he'll continue doing it. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.